0: Why did I have to get mixed up with that bitch?
1: Because she got a great podcast, and you got your head all the way up in it. Pete's coming up next.
0: Haven't Seen It with Tim Sistico and Tommy Tevene. Hello everybody, welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time, and today that is Tommy. And during our theme song there, I just stared at Tommy because he just told me, he's like, I got the opening figured out. And I was like, because I know it's some dumb podcast pun. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know whether to be impressed or... The most agitated human alive, and I'm I'm. How, how
1: how is my Pacino? Is my Pacino good enough for you? <laughs>
0: it, it was better than I could have ever thought it would be. If we're going to be completely, tr- <laughs> was it good?
1: No, but was it better yeah. than
0: I thought it was going to be?
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, you um, gotta go you go high up on the uh, ass podcast part. <laughs>
0: so Heat, uh Tommy, would you like to explain your relationship to the movie Heat, along <laughs> with myself, because I think there's a little bit of a story there.
1: Yeah, um, so you know, as we do in our friend's basement, we did a uh, movie night there and we picked heat. and We're all like, fuck yeah, I've never seen heat before. It was probably what like two or three years ago at this point, something, something like that, something like that. And, anyways, uh, we're in the basement and um, we put on the movie around like 10 o'clock at night. It's a long ass fucking movie, in my defense. Um, you know, good movie, but it's 10 o'clock at night, and you put on a three hour movie. I fucking passed out. And there's one scene during this movie, you know, during the shootout, the climatic shootout yeah, where there,
0: there's a major climax in this movie when you have yeah. surround sound audio on. And when <laughs> you're like snoring over like AR 15 <laughs> rifle shots that are like piercing. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, one of the things in this movie, the sound design is just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a movie of rise and fall <laughs> rising and falling tension. Like mm-hmm. that tension just exists throughout the whole movie, even within that first like 15 minutes of, especially when it's your first watch and you're like, I'm not sure exactly who these characters are, mm-hmm. um, but we will talk about it more. I think we'll have a shortened version of movies you saw recently. One I would like to discuss is one that is the polar opposite of a movie like Heat. It is called Paddington. It is a 2014 okay. film, family film. Have you ever seen any of the Paddington's? mm It was I'm... delightfully charming in the best way. Um I really enjoyed it. It's on Netflix if you haven't seen any of the Paddington movies. I watched it with my family. Um it's like really, a family
1: movie. It's yeah, a good gr- one. Well, it's
0: a great family movie, but it yeah. just there's there's something about that movie that just like endears you to Paddington. Um mm and i think the movie has a lot of heart and i think there's not a ton of movies that come out with a lot of heart and a lot of soul in them and i thought that was one of them and i can't wait to check out paddington too so paddington yeah. go watch it i know that was the joke in the Nicolas cage movie uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent uh, mm. but good movie go check it out
1: you're all about the bear do you see that twitter account that uh photoshops paddington into different things every day until he forgets <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I think I saw that. (laughs) You you don't religiously like
1: the tweets that I do for that.
0: (laughs) No, no, I I, I don't run the social media account, Tommy. That's your job. Um, (laughs) Tommy, what about you? What are some movies you saw recently? All
1: right. So uh, I actually ended up seeing The Beekeeper, a movie I did tell you about. um, And boy, The Beekeeper is just beatastic. Jason Statham. It is just like such a schlocky, shitty fucking movie but hilarious at the same time where I got nice and tuned up with my friend had a few drinks before we went to go see it and it's exactly the mindset you have to go into this movie where like there's one scene that opens up with a character reading a book about bees saying like you know bees are actually kind of interesting you know (laughs) it's the type of movie where Jason Statham in order to kill someone takes a jar of honey and throws it at them and it fucking breaks their fucking skull that way (laughs) this is the type of movie we went into this is what I was expecting I fucking love every minute of it would you call (laughs) it a bee movie? Oh yeah, it was the best B movie ever. Um <laughs> Well well, I didn't mean like B movie
0: like Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. I meant like the letter
1: B movie. Yeah, oh it totally is. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean it's a very schlocky movie. I think it knows what's going for. Um the plot is nonsensical, but just any time that Jason Statham did a B pun, I was fucking dying laughing. So it's one of those like almost intentionally so bad it's good uh type movies. Um it just knows the exact tone it's supposed to go for, we're, which is just stupid fucking fun action.
0: <laughs> and we were gonna compare it to cats. <laughs> Cat,
1: just... Cats cats is a lot better. <laughs> in okay. terms of that aspect. In terms in of, terms of the, aspect. In terms of the so bad it's good aspect. Uh but this movie has moments for it, and it was exactly what I was looking for, where it was just like the opening montage just has different photos of bees, and I was laughing so fucking hard at this is a ridiculous movie, the tears were coming down my face from it, so if you want to see a movie you can fucking just laugh at, go see the Beekeeper
0: <laughs> that is uh, A plus worthy, you know it, you know when you're we're, we are, you know how it's kind of like, oh we're back especially after 2023, I felt like there was a lot of, like I felt like it was a good movie year for the first time in a while like Mm. where it's just been stale for five or six years or so and Mm. seeing the way the trends are are changing and getting like a jason statham like b movie called the beekeeper that's so bad it's good is like a sign like we're back we're we're, nature's healing like we're getting the the (laughs) crap like movie studios are realizing that throwing 700 million dollars at different projects is not like a sustainable business model and giving somebody like 20 million to make a little dumb action movie that can make its budget and marketing back. uh, Good idea. Um, So, so for a uh, going to the polar opposite of that, uh, this is heat.
1: He's here. Now. Soon they got our phones, soon they got our houses, soon they got us. Feel the heat. <laughs> Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer. This crew is good. Heat rated R. Now playing at a theater near you.
0: Yeah, so so Heat has an interesting movie because it came to my attention like five or six years ago, because um, I was two when the movie Heat came out. Um, yeah, I was one. <laughs> uh, I think in the pantheon of crime movies, because if you don't know about the plot of Heat, <clears throat> it's an American crime film. It follows the conflict between an LAPD detective played by Pacino and career criminal played by De Niro while also depicting its effects on their professional relationships and personal lives. Um, it, it, when you think about, like, the true epic crime movies, like The Godfather, Goodfellas comes up, I feel like for a while there, like in the 2000, 20, early 2010s, like, he kind of disappeared. Like, it wasn't this readily available film and wasn't kind of discussed in this, like, in the pantheon of film that like some of these I, I, other heat, like these other bigger crime movies were kind of put into that respect. You know what I mean?
1: I, I think that um I, I just confused slightly on the timeline. I think when this movie first came out in the nineties and stuff like that, it wasn't really discussed like heavily up there with like, uh you know, like you just said, Goodfellas, Godfather, all those. Um, And it wasn't until the nineties, like late nineties and like early two thousands that TNT and networks like that would just show this movie over and over and over again it became the type of thing that people would say like oh like you know the fucking um the diner scene's coming up i gotta go watch this one part it's a movie that i feel like you could easily just drop in and out of so much and it makes sense why this movie was originally developed as like a tv show Um, yeah
0: um and you can definitely see the identity of that um i think with uh the through line of natalie portman al pacino's um stepdaughter lieutenant vincent hannah um there where she's like in the movie for like two minutes and ultimately like i think my first because this is my third time watching heat i think my first time watching it i was a little bit more confused but now like watching it and having seen everything i i don't think it's like i could see somebody on their first watch through thinking the movie's a little bit messy Mm. I, it didn't feel that way to me though this time at all everything felt connected I think the only reason it could feel a little bit messy because it's a movie you have to be paying attention to the whole time oh yeah it's a movie with a lot of names a, it's a big ensemble cast um, who we'll, we'll dive into deeper and a lot of moving pieces with relationships with um, the police and criminals and where they're trying to go and if you're not really paying attention to each step um. It, it's easy to get lost a little bit in terms of like, oh, who's this guy and how is this getting connected and how did they find out, how did they start putting a trail on Neil and and uh, all
1: mm-hmm. of that?
0: And I think it all kind of come, it's all pretty clear. Like I was very impressed with how clear everything is. I think the two pieces is the, the Wayne Grove being a serial killer, like that side, it's like very gentle. No, yeah, that was very <laughs> much like a that was clearly for the fuller script and they just kept one scene in and the natalie portman daughter thing and like that felt but like they all felt like they served a purpose in terms of like developing the world and developing like who these characters are
1: yeah to, uh, to an extent i think those scenes are very much just like you know mood setting and just like saying uh like world building and stuff like that but i mean if you were to say like Hey, Michael May, can you cut this down a little bit? Those probably would be the scenes that would be cut first if if you had to pick
0: one. Yeah, the, the Natalie Portman through line. I I mean I think I think the Waingrow um prostitute. That's more essential. That that one that one is that one is cut pretty easily. I think. Mm. Um the Natalie Portman one is it's more of like a character examination because throughout the movie we see Hannah's relationship with his third wife deteriorate because he's committed to his profession that's where he all his mind lives where all his time is and he just doesn't prioritize his relationships he you know he has that great baby i told you when you hooked up with me you share me with all the creeps out on the street right like he he Mm. has those lines we watched married so a a job (laughs) and you know now it's kind of referenced that natalie portman's daughter is going or natalie portman uh is going through a rough time the the daughter Mm. natalie um and she uh she attempts to take her own life in in his bathtub after the mom and after hannah and his wife separate um and he's sitting there in the hospital comforting his you know soon-to-be ex-wife um, and then he gets the page that neil showed up to kill Wingro at the at the hotel the last thing he had to do uh before he clears town uh for good mm. and you know, she, you know, it, it, it showed like who the character truly is. Like he even tried to stay there in that moment, but his, you know, his wife's like, go, you got to go. Like your, your mind's not here, you know, and it just, it was more for like her subplot line was more for the character Hannah than anything else.
1: It was character building. I mean, both the scenes that we were just talking about, even the Vince and Hannah like showed up on the scene of the dead prostitute. Um, that also just character moment saying like this is just a typical day in the life of his job. He has to deal with shit like this because like, you know, he says like um, the one part where he's like, oh, like, you, I, you, what's my life? Like fucking like dead babies in a microwave. And, you know, that's a tell instead of a show. But we need one scene to show other than just fucked up bank robberies. Here's what this guy's dealing with on a daily messed up basis
0: yeah yeah you need you need that for that and I think they do that exploratory too because on the other side of it you have Robert De Niro playing Neil McCauley he's a professional thief um professional criminal he is good at his job and it is shown in the first 15 minutes um I love how tense it is and how quiet it is it shows them all picking up the pieces you know of what is needed for this this robbery of a. uh, of a of a truck uh, um, to to get some bear bonds and I know the, the way it builds up and it's one of those movies I was watching Heat with a friend last night before for for the recording and you know we started it at like eight o'clock and he was mm. like he was like yeah I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it through all three hours after the first fifteen minutes he's like yeah I'm seeing this one in through the end because the tension of like everything and you're like oh what's going on here and it's so yeah. meticulously detailed and having the 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 truck that's going to run into the other truck and the hot in the hospital van that's going to that's going to pause the uh the brinks truck there and gets run over and that's where we're introduced to Wingrow and kind of the the instant that sets the the plot in motion and gets hannah on macaulay's trail mm-hmm. because
1: well I, from, from the start uh, um how do you feel about the sound mixing in this movie um overall. Cause... I thought the
0: sound design was fantastic. I thought the mix was pretty good, too. I, I didn't really yeah. have any problems with
1: it. I, I, had there's... Sub...
0: I had subtitles on, so that might have helped.
1: I, I'm assuming you watch this on like Netflix or something. Yeah, um, I, I have the yeah.
0: Blu-ray, but it, I think it's at my parents' house. It's not here. Yeah, so
1: um, I, I rented the Blu-ray uh, for my first watch of this, and I don't know if it's something with my TV, or if it was uh, something with the Blu-ray or something like that, but there's something with the sound mix. While well, the sound design was obviously amazing, the gun desi- uh, gunshots like never fucking hear the, a fucking the, heli- movie. the helicopter yeah. the helicopter i mean like when i went from i went watch, watching this and i watched some like shitty b-movie punisher movie that came out in 2008 and the sunset of guns between like an actual great uh, uh tour compared to like whoever shitty marvel movie was <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> you, this is how action movies should sound all the time but um the problem i had with the blu-ray it was kind of typical of like you know your typical um like action movie problem kind of where the dialogue felt very low at points. I don't know if there's a problem with the Blu-ray or a problem with my TV, but it went from like I always had to turn up the volume way, 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 way up for the fucking dialogue scenes. The second a gunshot was fired, I was like, I have to turn this way the fuck down. <laughs> like yeah,
0: I, I mean I was using my sound bar for for the movie. Same, I I, re- same. I didn't have any I it, it got a little bit loud during the the gunshots. Um mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like like i i didn't have a problem with hearing any of the audio so maybe the netflix yeah. mix i i think there's <laughs> like a couple releases of the the heat blu-ray um and i wonder if like if you had like the first release of heat on blu-ray and like if that <laughs> one had mixing issues yeah um, it,
1: might, it might be a thing i mean i just changed my tv settings to dialogue clarity i up just to fucking hear it um but it's one of those things like I would love to see this movie in a theater. This would be definitely yeah. like a bucket list oh, theater movie. Because yeah. just imagining like hearing the gunshots in the loudest fucking environment possible would just be fucking mind- It'd be mind-blowing. It'd be great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I I mean I to say I have not looked to see if this has been playing yeah. in theaters. I, I think we might have to wait one more year. This is the film's 29th year of existence. Came out in 1995. So yeah. I imagine and they're starting production on Heat 2. So I imagine like a re-release of of heat would be you know an easy million so, or two to, to clear right there.
1: So what's your temperature right now in heat two? Um are you excited or are you just like eh? <laughs> Wait and
0: see. I mean,
1: yeah. I feel like
0: man might be past his prime. Um
1: and you're the but... one that I saw Ferrari of the two of us. I haven't.
0: Yeah, no, I saw Ferrari. Like he's still a good filmmaker, but I, I don't I mean, it's not gonna touch heat one. Um and I, mm. I think part of that is like you have a really I, iconic. This movie mm. is like a movie of scenes. I know this is like for the the rewatchables, which is arguably the biggest movie podcast. This is like their pantheon. They've like, covered they, like three times. Now. They've <laughs> covered it like the yeah. They've done like a reheat and a three heat uh, on heat because it's such a rewatchable movie. And mm. then part of that is the as you alluded to it being on TNT playing mm. all the time and you're able to get like there's just so many great scenes in this mm. um uh I think most of them probably come from Vincent Hanna. like he is just an entertaining factor I know that Pacino played him like he was a a, a cop that was doing a lot of cocaine even though that's <laughs> it never, shows it shows it was never you know you, you
1: almost feel you almost feel like Pacino himself like in between takes Michael Manzik like, right just doing their bump right now. <laughs> yeah, you feel that You feel, <laughs> you that, feel manic, that energy.
0: You feel <laughs> that manic energy like um <clears throat> when he goes to his contact um at the scrap yard and he's like why are you trying to waste my motherfucking time? <laughs> uh, you know, and it's all these it's- just like great tense scenes in terms of trying to find out this mm-hmm. information uh like it's yeah. kind
1: of funny, though, thinking of Al Pacino, though, like, when did his descent really start of, like, him, like, going off the rails? Because this is, I feel like, him slightly throwing the cracks of him almost becoming an over-the-top parody. He toes the line very well in this movie, but, like, I feel like after this, he just breaks, where he just becomes, like, oh, people love me in heat, then I can do this. I, mean, I feel like Send the Woman, maybe, it was the start of this, because when we watch, like, Godfather 1 and 2, he's, he's not so, allowed, he's so he's reserved. So reserved yeah he's so reserved
0: and i mean it shows his range as an actor there too um you know i I think it's just like the change in film that kind of hits in the 2000s um and kind of wanting more like franchises and you know out there characters um and you know he's just kind of coming to that age of leaving leading man territory you know him and De Niro are kind of you know that this is in terms of like their peaks of their career this is like the last like true peak I feel like that they had in their like A-list territory would you
1: agree with that I'd say probably for Pacino I think that De Niro still had some good ones in them uh, it's kind of crazy looking back on like Pacino like he had so much rise and falls I mean 70s were Incredible from Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, fucking Godfather movies, and then he goes into the eighties and he does Cruising, which I think is now received well. Scarface, um, which is Scarface, arguably but, his
0: most iconic performance.
1: Yeah, but other than those two, like he barely works. I mean, he does. I'm gonna rattle off uh, like four movies. And I'm gonna ask you if you've heard of any of these before. Um, author, Author, Revolution, Sea of Love, and that's it and and for the 80s for him have you heard of any was, of those
0: movies was that's it a movie title or is no that's no no it, that, it, that, in that's terms it's... of that's it because that's it sounded yeah. like a movie title uh you could be making these up and i wouldn't know. yeah um, so it's
1: it's crazy i mean like he obviously got the godfather of three he gets Gun Glenn, 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 ross and um seven is where he wins his oscar and where he's you know people will allow me to get away with this and you know he's coming in whereas de niro i mean he, he throughout the, the 80s had midnight run he had um like um you know the what's it called king of comedy he had all these fucking great iconic movies and well, he had his
0: partnership the- with um scorsese which is always going to help I, I believe raging bull was also 80 or is that 79
1: yeah uh, that's 80 and then he had the untouchables brazil um just a bunch of movies that people are still talking about even once upon a time in america so it's kind of crazy to contrasting the elements and you know de niro what i didn't realize this casino came out only three weeks before this movie so talk talk about uh yeah
0: after heat check
1: yeah uh, seriously
0: in terms of in terms of those like in terms of crime movies there um yeah. And, you know, to kind of go back to what I was saying in the beginning, it all starts off because this is supposed to be a standard hit, get the bear bonds and and leave. Mm. Then we're going to fence them. Uh, they bring Wingro as the final guy for this heist. They hire him. They don't know him. And, um, you know, he's a loose cannon and he shoots one of the guards. And once you kill one witness, what's killing the other two? Because it went from a robbery to a homicide. And that's when Hannah gets brought in, when it gets into the major crime unit. And that's what kind of starts this cat and mouse chase of Hannah versus uh, Neil Callie. Um, you know, I love when they're trying to do the 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 uh, the plutonium heist in there mm-hmm. when they have the whole thing set up, and one of the guards in the truck just decides to sit down, and Neil hears it wraps up the whole thing because they're not going to bust the, them. they're not going to bust them for a b and e like is it, it you know what is that six months like we're going to do that and it's that movie that scene is so tense like you're just sitting there like oh okay oh he like they have them dead to rights in this moment and they do not know it and how i, I the think hell it's going to get away from this
1: Michael Mann's just so good, just like utilizing the quietness. So when we get to the latter scenes, it really just pops even more. It's just like, it's a, it's like almost like, um, a little, uh, cooking popcorn over the stuff. you are just waiting for it to pop over and over and over again. It's just the pressure, uh, kicker. It's
0: a, it's a great, it's a great pressure cooker movie, how that tension rises and falls. And I think it's assisted by the, the score as well. Um, Mm -hmm. that that, like synth it's like it's like almost Mm -hmm. post 80s synth in there like it's very 90s feeling um it it truly like has an LA feel to it as well like just just like great driving music almost and like I feel like that's when the score like hits the hardest um yeah like when the, the helicopter chase over Neil um like that's the sound as Hannah goes to the ground then drives up pulls them up and asks them for a cup of coffee and brings them to the diner scene, which is Mm. the first time we have De Niro and Pacino, you know, together
1: in a scene in a movie together. It it makes so much sense why this is obviously the marketing of the movie was just like two legends finally coming up together. Because it's insane. We should have had an earlier project between the two of them. And it's wild that, I mean, Godfather 2, they're in the same movie, but obviously they didn't share any scenes. Um, We should have had like a bunch of string of hits, but I mean, at this point, um, that diner scene I know it's coming it was like one of those things I knew going in still hit really well. It was incredible
0: <laughs> yeah it it hits really well because it gives you a full understanding of who these characters are um mm. and that they're probably more similar than they are different um mm. you know i I wouldn't call any of these characters like good people like hannah is more of a a good guy if you will but he's obsessive to the point of ruining his relationships um and his whole personal life like he just kind of exists in this world um Mm. and and you know kind of and definitely a cop that works outside of the rules like kind of following in line with training day and alonzo um Mm. you know probably a little more lawful than than alonzo is but you know he's willing to work with lower level criminals to get for information like let them continue their operations but you got to get me the information that i need there
1: the, the whole diner scene is just like a spin on like the classic that we see in so many movies like now i mean the dark knight is essentially a remake of heat whoop of batman and the whole like we're not so different yeah, you and you, i you see thing. the
0: so this so like i think you see that in the beginning of the, i wanted to bring that up the beginning of the dark knight with the bank robbery scene you can see heat's influence all over the place i feel like i mean even, even the, cinematography...
1: the case of even the case of william fichtner being in the yeah that's that was where
0: i was gonna go because william is yeah. in both of these movies it was yeah. it almost felt like an intentional casting job by nolan
1: to put in being like, oh okay, if, if you
0: if you know you know because like when i saw the dark knight i had no idea that
1: yeah that was before either of us of you knew, knew what he was on our radar but i mean going back to the diner scene it's one of those things um L.A. Takedown was what uh, the TV pilot of Heat was. It was a 90-minute film. Uh, Michael Mann directed it himself. He cut out a lot of the subplots. And he had Scott Plank playing the role of Hannah and Alex MacArthur playing the role of Neil Macaulay, who, I mean, never heard of either of those guys. And it's one of those things that, you know, I just watched this on YouTube uh, before we recorded. They did the diner scene, and it's almost verbatim the same exact dialogue. And if you ever want to know, how much an actor makes a difference just watch that scene and then watch the de niro and pacino scene because it just shows just the two actors are just kind of wooden it's not really as compelling just whatever and it's the same exact fucking script and meanwhile you obviously i mean of course Pacino and de niro the greatest act some of the greatest actors of all time But just really shows so much more how much casting correctly and just like having all timers in your movie makes a difference
0: <laughs> and let me ask you this like this is the first time we're seeing them share dialogue together um mm-hmm. do you, do you think that the allure of and i'm not because i'm not discounting de niro or pacino because they both give terrific performances in this mm-hmm. do you think that like there's an allure to just that moment in like film history like that adds to that tension, you know what I mean? Because like, you've seen both of it, like, but just the allure of being like, oh, this this is the first time these two characters and we've seen them now being playing cat and mouse with each other. They both know who each other are. Like Mm -hmm. I loved how um, Neil tricks, um, tricks Hannah and the LAPD to get the scoop on who they are, where they go to this random refinery and start pointing around and they have the LAPD trailing them. And then they go out there to try to think what the hell were they looking at? And there's Neil all the way up, taking pictures, learning who yeah. who Vincent Hanna is. And I,
1: I I do have to agree with you. I think it's the weight of just these two actors with these incredible legacies. I mean and incredible those,
0: performances because you're hooked in the movie. It's like it's like it's
1: it's one of those things like you know, in, in our uh you know, today's world and today's cinema, I mean, we don't really have movie stars for the most part, and the equivalent of this is just like stupid eyed people should have like you know oh my god batman and superman are meeting up in this scene
0: <laughs> and they couldn't even do that good
1: yeah they couldn't even do that well But um and instead like you know pacino and de niro just have so much weight behind them it's something that like i don't know what the equivalent of that would be in 2023 and 2024 um i mean brad off, pitt um and...
0: oppenheimer and barbie i mean you had it probably the closest. no i mean i mean Once in terms of the in two, hollywood is yeah i meant the two thing.
1: actors. Once yeah.
0: upon a time in Hollywood is probably the closest thing, but they were like, they were so connected and like they worked together. It didn't have the same of it being this mountain, this cat and mouse chase. Um,
1: yeah, I mean a huge even cast in in twenty twenty four world. I mean like you Adam I don't Driver. Feel
0: Adam Driver, I think he's going to be play young Neil in the Heat too. Um, mm. But but I'm not I'm not sure and I'm not going to try to speculate on it. It's it it feels like yeah, it feels like some a problem that Hollywood has that I'm hoping they're working to to resolve. Uh, but so I think another in- great performance to discuss here is Val Kilmer because um, mm. we haven't talked about his character Chris yet at all. Um, he's one of uh, Neil Caffrey's henchmen here. Uh, another robber he's married to, to Ashley Judd he's a degenerate gambler that's why he does these robberies and his marriage is falling apart and he's in danger of losing his kid uh how nice was it seeing uh, Hank Azaria pop up
1: oh yeah I, I knew he was in the movie beforehand um because I've seen the great ass scene before <laughs> but yeah. still it, it was awesome it's him getting his little like little bit right there
0: <laughs> getting his little bit right there you know he's having an affair with with uh Ashley Judd's character and it's you know it's another just terrific performance i feel like it's a very physical performance by val kilmer in this Mm because it's not you know he established the stakes that he's not he's trying to keep his marriage together he really loves his wife and he's not he, he doesn't want to like leave town because one of the morals of the story one of the most famous lines in the movie is you have to have nothing in your life that you can't drop 30 seconds once you feel that heat coming around the corner. Like, that's kind of like the, well, the moral of the story.
1: It, it is hilarious how extreme to the point that De Niro takes out, where like you go into De Niro's apartment and immediately it's just like, <laughs> hey man, you could get some furniture. Like, I don't want to sleep on your floor right here. Come on, De Niro. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just the two contrasting things. Kilmer's meant the show the humanizing side of like, you can actually have a relationship here. here. And at the end of the day, He's the only uh person on Hannah's crew that gets out. I mean, not Hannah, um, De Niro's crew that gets out of it. You know, yeah. Becomes way on unscraft. So I have to ask you a question. Kilmer, I thought was great. It's a really um quiet performance, um, not really like extremely loud, but this role almost went to Keanu Reeves. And do you think that would have been better or worse? Because I think that this is a di- not a dialogue heavy performance, which makes me think that Keanu could have done a great job too.
0: Um Keanu as John Wick, yes. Keanu in nineteen ninety five. I don't know.
1: This Rick coming off of Heat, um, to put it in perspective. <laughs> uh, coming off of what? Uh, 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 coming off of Speed. Sorry. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just I think in I think it would be a hard shift for a nineties audience coming from Speed, where he plays the hero of
1: all heroes. Well, to be fair, so, Val Kimmer was Batman like a few months before this. <laughs> yeah, but
0: that's not one of the. that's not one of the. It's not it was the, the not one of the. It was
1: it, it was one of the biggest highest grossing movies in ninety five. That was fresh in people's heads. You can't okay. deny that. <laughs> what a, what a, what a, what a, no, like, I, that I, I, I I
0: can't I can't picture anybody but Val Kilmer in this role. Um, mm. It's just the physicality of him holding the weapons. I believe that there's at least a legendary story, story that the LAPD shows video clip of Val Kilmer reloading his assault weapon. Um, it's, as not, tra- it's not. It's just as marine recruits it's yeah it's as training being like this is how effectively you want to do this like this is how good this is and they're showing val kilmer like that you know that's insane like there's just that real physicality to the role
1: um the realist in general this movie is insane because like this is a movie that has been cited so often uh where people will commit a robbery and they'll be like yeah i watched heat and i thought like oh i could do that um there's like a famous la uh one like 98 where like you know the two robbers died and they found heat in the apartment and it's like oh they must have been huge heat fans <laughs> and you can see this movie doesn't have like a fantastical um it's really grounded it's the fact really this- grounded and it, i
0: think it's even from the, the beginning when pacino first gets to their crime scene that first crime scene from the first 15 minutes and he goes these guys are good. Like, like, like he's established like these guys are professionals. Like these guys know what they're doing. They were out within three minutes because they know that's our response time to a two one one call. Like, like they had everything prepared to such a way that it's it's like it almost can't be replicated. And like I, I don't think there's ever not that to my knowledge, ever been like a criminal criminal syndicate that's as efficient as the one I've that's in heat. Uh, It's probably, like, the most unrealistic part of the movie. (laughs) You
1: say that, but this is based on a true story. I mean, like, granted, you know, who knows how true... Well, it's apparently based on the story of Neil Macaulay, uh, who um, was tracked down by Detective Chuck Edmondson at 64, and he's, like, commit all these crimes, the man in the diner and everything like that. Um, And Chuck Edmondson ended up working with Michael Mann producing some shows like Crime Story. (laughs) Um, which is insane. But I mean it's one of those things that like I feel like in this modern day era, we don't really have a huge crime syndicate thing. But uh, the locations in this movie, this movie doesn't use a single soundstage, which is insane to think about. Um, it's all shown location. Apparently, Michael Mantle's location scout, I want you to find places of LA that haven't been used before in film. And it's just wild to show how much of LA this opens up, where it's like, wait, what? like there's yeah. train tracks in LA like what I didn't realize that
0: <laughs> yeah it, it really feels like you're you get a full tour of the city of Los Angeles which is very mm. cool and like all the CD parts right because if you go visit Los Angeles you're going to go to the highlights you're going to go to the nice areas you're going to go to Beverly Hills you're going to go to to Malibu you name you name the Santa Monica Pier like none of that's in this movie like it's all like where these people would live where they're going to be Um, And I know the big one, the the big scene, um, you know, the the climax of this film revolves around a a bank heist. Um, They're going to rob around 11 or 12 million dollars from a bank in broad daylight. um, And they have uh, Danny Trejo's character called Gilbert Trejo, which is convenient because I don't think they've ever said the name Gilbert in the movie. They just say (laughs) Trejo. they just call him Treo in, in the in the in the movie, um uh, where you know he's like, damn, I have the heat around me, I can't come to the robbery. Uh and then he, you know, it turns out he flipped because uh Wayne Grow and Van Sant, so Van Sant's the guy they stole the bear bonds from at the beginning of the movie, using Wayne Wingro to get back at Neil Neil Macaulay. And <laughs> like the way it's all interconnected, um, that kind of revolves around the, this heist there. Um, and, you know, it's so tense when they're walking in there with, uh, you know, Tom Sizemore as Michael Cerrito, Um, you know, you really feel like their ruthlessness um, and their savvy and their efficiency as well. And they basically almost get away, but the police show up right in time and basically a war breaks down in the middle of the streets in los angeles it is some of the most intense gunfire you will ever see in a movie and i think like i from what i've heard when they're filming it because they're filming it on the streets in los angeles the surrounding neighborhoods thought like there was a massive shooting going on because oh, I'm sure because like, the sound was so insane they were not okay. aware that a michael mann movie was being shot
1: yeah be freaking the fuck out. I mean, apparently, Michael Mann, the way he got the sound was he just put like microphones right near the guns, like, whereas the um, like bullets were getting fired to make it sound like that. And it is insane. I mean, I was t- uh, complaining a little bit earlier about how I had to turn on the TV because of how loud the gunfire was but still was fucking awesome and if i didn't care about my neighbors i would have just been like full blast fuck it just blasted it, <laughs> yeah. it sounded incredible it is amazing
0: <laughs> yeah and and it's it's very impactful and because i i think this movie one of the things it does is because you're given more of the perspective of the criminals than you are of the cops like you only follow hannah but you kind of you follow mccauley you follow val kilmer um you you get a sense of who these guys are, and you're kind of pulling for them because of their efficiency, and they don't seem like too bad of guys, right? Um, well, at the, uh, at the end re- of the
1: movie, at the end of the movie, when uh, Pacino's chasing out De Niro, who are you rooting for in that moment?
0: <sighs>
1: it's tough. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: you're almost rooting for like the scene and in glorious ba- bastards with Shoshana and the uh, the, the, the 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 private. This the, the yep. private sniper where they both just shoot each other and it just ends with them both falling over in like this in this beautiful romance for
1: each other. It's 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 almost just like watching uh, like a collision course where it's just like oh, do you guys really have to do this? Like you just wish it could be a way of like De Niro gets away, but he doesn't like win totally or something like that. Or yeah, you know. and I think um,
0: the interesting thing is what winning is for De Niro because he establishes uh, a relationship with Edie, played by amy brenneman um who's a who book hated book. the movie
1: um, she, she she hated the, well she hated the script at first she's like this movie's too violent like i don't understand it like why, why should you do this and michael mann's like that's why you're perfect for this role <laughs> it's a great little subversion right <laughs> yeah i
0: i can see that because that's the interesting thing like she kind of falls head over heels for for neil and and i think part of her character is this is bringing the stakes into you know like putting some kind of stakes for Neil because him just like getting away and going to New Zealand like not really like stakes for the character Um, Mm -hmm. and putting like something in the way that's going to question like this life code of you can't have anything in your life that you can't ditch 30 seconds flat Um, and him going out to dinner with like his crew and seeing them all have their wives and, and kids and being like damn like you know i I don't want to be alone my whole life um Mm. there and then the the good conflict and and twist of it is when she you know he goes okay it's we have to go in 24 hours and she's like that stuff on the news was that you um
1: and like
0: like her running away (laughs) there
1: Um, well I, i i do i do love just the moment of like where I, I I obviously never seen this movie before, and thankfully I didn't get the editing spoiled to me. Where I see him looking out and he knows that like the cops are right there. The heat is literally right on the corner. It's so like you said throughout the whole movie, you have to be able to leave anything behind in your life in 30 seconds or less. And then he looks at her, she's looking at him just like Come on. Yeah, are you coming back? I mean, like it, it, it's just insane. Like, you know, you figure that this guy has never had a girl really hit on him before, even though DeDiro is looking fine as hell in this movie. He just like just has no emotional attachments whatsoever. He's just like done. <laughs> and then it's the first time that someone gives a, uh and he hesitates for a moment. I feel like he doesn't immediately leave. It's he does
0: he doesn't he does hesitate. Um mm-hmm. but I think and I wonder if the selfless decision in his mind was I leave her because if I because like I there there's cops everywhere. There's there's no way for us to get a, to escape this. Like she could get hurt or get arrested or seen as a, an accomplice versus if I just leave her there, like, yeah, I, I, devastate her emotionally, but she's, she's there. I mean, I thought it was interesting that she ultimately decides to to go with him. That felt she's for, like
1: some Meatcraft craft designer. Like you wouldn't expect that at all. You think,
0: yeah. Like, well, it, it, it felt like, I feel like, not a, like you kind of have to ease your your significant other into the fact that you're a criminal yeah. not like having her find out when the largest attempted bank robbery fails like instantly and in is national news like I, I i feel like you you know that's a hard way to break the the, the lady in into what's going on in your life yeah. like what you <laughs> actually do for a living
1: uh i, I feel like that's um that's true. It's it's a tough conversation. Like, hey, you know how I was telling you uh, what you what, what lied to her? He was like, oh, uh, he sells uh, he stuff. Sell, he sells metals. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, actually, I'm a fucking bank robber. And, so, and some of those movies that, you know, like lesser movies of this have like a similar character. And oftentimes it doesn't work. It just drags down the movie and it's just like, oh, can't, let's get past this scene. This is this whole entire part's awful. Yeah. And heat, that's not the case. No. And it's, I think hmm. I think
0: part of that is because once the heat is fully on, you would think he would be wise enough to just leave her, like like there's mm-hmm. no time to get her back. Like you feel the heat thirty seconds, so you're kind of like he he's kind of breaking his code. But once he sees Hannah and he realizes the heat is right around the corner, like literally right there.
1: Yeah, center bolts right around the corner.
0: Yeah, and he 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 makes that decision um, and c- goes around the corner. And I I think it's those layers that makes all those those moments of character development like truly pay off at the end of the movie like when Chris uh is trying to go back to get uh his wife Charlene and she's working with the cops um and he's like they're like he's here um and she goes out and kind of gives him that look and it was so it was like perfect from Ashley Judd and just like the little like yeah the little hand thing like and you can just see in her face like even though she's been having an affair with him like realizing that like even with all this heat all this pressure on him he's he's still committed to to her and to the family um like just kind of seeing that that break there um which is so so powerful um Mm. and yeah i i think that like this movie is is truly like a masterfully class movie you know and you know we've covered a good amount of crime movies on here uh i think in terms of mo- movies that are considered like the highest of the highs the godfathers casino and heat i would say are them good uh, goodfellas we have not covered because we have not met somebody yet that has not seen goodfellas that we'll, we'll we, get there we could, we'll get we, there we'd want to have on the podcast
1: but we've, we've um, both seen that years before <laughs>
0: a lot of times um so tommy where does heat compare to other
1: first-time crime movies for you um i think this might be towards the top um i need uh, so i i think that this is uh some ways a little more entertaining this is more of like a popcorn thriller where it's like you know godfather and casino are more drama epics I'm more focused on just like the drama and aspect of this but this is so, an
0: epic too like this, i wouldn't call this like your typical popcorn flick
1: no no but um i think that this has more elements of that in it so this makes for a more entertaining watch i feel like of the four movies godfather 1 2 heat and um casino, casino this is the one i'd go back to the most i mean obviously this is like what we were talking about earlier this is uh, insane, rewatchable, and I you can already see it from the jump. I mean, you know, uh, I watched this movie on Saturday. I rented it with my buddies. Uh, we were uh, had a couple of drinks in us, and I managed to pass out again because um, it was nine o'clock oh at night at that point. God, Tom, I, I I I just had a few drinks, and you know, whatever. I mean, it was late at night, so I threw this on movie. Even though I watched the first hour beforehand, I was like, I'm just going to start from the beginning again, and it was really good reward to throw it back on from the beginning um, so you've seen the
0: beginning of this movie like three times
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> exactly i've seen the first 30 minutes of heat a lot <laughs> but all the way through yeah, the first time
0: <laughs> fair enough that hits our rule our very loose rule criteria that's made up by us specifically yeah. yeah i am a star i'm a star i'm a star i'm a star i am a big bright shining star All right. So I I feel like I'm just going to kind of run through some of the other characters. We haven't even mentioned John Voight, who plays Nate, who is Neil's fence. Um, Mm -hmm. Diane Vernara's Justine Hanna, uh, Vincent Hanna's wife. Um, You know, we haven't even talked about um, Tom Noonan, who's playing Kelso. Kevin Gage as Wayne William mm-hmm. Fitchner, we barely touched out as Van Zandt. We have Danny Trejo in this. Henry Rollins is in this. Jeremy Pivens has like a one scene mini heat check as a doctor before he had hair plugs. So it's always, it's always nice to remember yeah. that Jeremy Pivens was bald at some point. Yeah, But the this is an all-star, A-plus cast. And I feel like there's so many terrific performances in this. This is one of the harder ones where you have to go, who's the true star of this movie? Whose performance? And... I think for the first time ever, I'm going to give it to both. I'm going to give it to Pacino and De Niro because yeah. it, 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 they're, they're yin and yang in this. You need the harmony of both of them for this well,
1: movie to work it's so what, well. It's one of the things of just like De Niro, His I mean, obviously the performances are very different. Uh, Pacino's going fucking balls out, like fucking just crazy, way too uh, bonkers to a point that's almost over the top, but like, just right there, and De Niro's given a quiet, reserved performance, and you can see it just in the diner scene of how they contrast each other. Just looking at De Niro's reactions to um, what Pacino says is just insane. I mean, like when Pacino says, "Like you know, I won't hesitate to kill you if it's between uh, you or like what's the play link uh, making a cop." Making a couple a
0: wife's a widow. Yeah,
1: something Yeah, like that. yeah. And just uh you see De Niro just take that in for a moment, process it, and then he says, like, well, the inverse is I'll do the fucking same to you. And just that little quiet moment of like five to ten seconds right there, or how much it was, is I think one of the best performances I've seen in terms of just quiet understanding, listening I've seen in the movie in, in a while. <laughs>
0: yeah and and, you know the star this is a star power movie um and Mm. kind of why i want to give it to both of them because i i think it's the the, uh, there's an allure to this because like you try to pitch this movie to somebody hey here's this three hour crime movie Uh, three three hours you out of your mind and you go okay but it's got de niro and pacino first time it's a cop and robber cat and mouse chasing people go yeah okay i'll I'll check it out (laughs) you saw me I'll at least start it, you know, and then you see the first fifteen minutes, and you go, "Oh, I'm in." Okay, okay, I'm in. Uh, yeah, like uh, okay, yeah, well, I'm I'm here for this. Um, So, Tommy, wh- where do you land on who the star of the, the the movie is?
1: I think that Pacino gives the more memorable memorable performance. Um, that's um, by mean, design. That's by yeah. That's character. by design, and that's by character. I mean, like, um, but I think that. I just have to go up to Nero in general because I think that he just brings such a quiet intensity that's insane that it's Cat you in a crazy way. Um so I'm going to Nero.
0: Yeah, Whereas I,
1: li- I I like Pacino, but it, it's so close to going over the top.
0: I don't think it's as close as you think it is. I think he has some big line deliveries, but I I don't think it, I think it's pretty reserved in terms of its overacting. Like I think he's pretty grounded and I think he has a lot of quiet reserved moments, like when they you know, we mentioned the scene with the dead prostitute and then the the, the the dead the grieving mother is there and just like the way he holds her and hugs her, like just like kind of processing, realizing like like the humanity of what he actually is doing and what's going on there and not just being, mm. whoa, get this lady out of here. Like it's none of that. He just gives her a big hug, like just mm. to calm her down, just like by a human touch. Like I, I think it's a lot more of that like I don't think like he's not overacting in the diner scene like he's very just reserved I'd say they're both very reserved because they both they're both they're playing a game of chess in mm. front of each other right there that's like the fun I, for both of them
1: I I think it' I don't think it's throughout the movies like try that line but there are some scenes where it definitely is yeah <laughs> but those are almost so, like
0: the most iconic parts of the movie <laughs> it, yeah. uh, is that like you're like saying like he's so bad. I'm like it's it's when he it's it's he's. Say, say,
1: I'm not saying I'm not saying he's so bad. I'm saying he's close. But, he's but uh, if you get him like one or con- two more notches higher in the would have been bad. <laughs> I,
0: I, I'll put it this way: in the context of the movie, when he the two most overacted is trying to waste my motherfucking time, and she's got a great ass. Like those are the two like mo- probably most quoted lines in the movie, and the most like quote unquote overacting. That's when he's dealing with criminals and he's trying to get information. He's playing a character there. He's trying to be bigger, larger than live life performance. Then I think of when he goes back to pick up his wife Justine after going to the prostitute um there. And he, and he's like, Baby I don't tell you because some crackhead baby started crying and he migrated. Like he's not overacting there. He's very solemn and, and grave there. And I think like in terms of who the character is, it's not really overacting he's selling himself as a, a certain figure to these people that he needs information from um it's almost like i just uh, his attempt at in- intimidation if you will um that that's kind of my take on it and watching it like i don't think it's overacting i think it's truly within line with the character but i think he's pretty reserved throughout the whole movie
1: we'll I need to keep attention to on more rewatches yeah, but you, so, you, but you
0: you understand like my point there, though,
1: where... It's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it, it no,
0: feels, yeah. I... It, it feels in line with who his character is versus, like... Mm. Versus, like, oh, he was just overacting here.
1: Mm. Well, th- there's a point where I, I'm curious to see, like, if I watched the full LA Takedown uh, TV show version of this, if the actor who played the Pacino role did anything similar to this. Whatsoever. Probably,
0: probably not, because we haven't heard of them, so I'm assuming they don't have kind of near the chops of al pacino yeah. and robert de niro these they're too small you know pacino and de niro are two smaller actors certainly not very well known by any means yeah
1: <laughs> ah, are you ready comedy partner Waka waka.
0: all right i think this is a fun one tommy would he <laughs> work as a muppet adaptation because to the muppets credits they have a full ensemble of those yeah.
1: puppets so, yeah. if we keep one human, like we were just talking earlier, I think you still keep Pacino in this movie, and you just have him instead just screaming at fucking Muppet, uh, like uh Rizzo the Rats, like Hank Azaria, and he's just saying, like, oh, she got a great ass right there. and oh, You got way up in it. You got way up in her head, because you're, yeah, uh, you're a puppet, You're a puppet.
0: I think you keep Wayne, bro. I think you keep Kevin Gage as the only human, <laughs> and everybody else is Muppets, because he's... Just this
1: one slimy-ass tru- guy. He's truly,
0: like... <laughs> Like you're dealing with a lot of monsters here, but Wingro is like the truly like despicable monster out of all of them, from like the limited screen time <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. of him. The, like just like complete and total, like just he looks just like such a crazy character himself, right there. I mean, I De Niro. Would be what? Would that be Kermit right there, or would that be more like Rolf the dog, like more chilled, relaxed type of person? I think,
0: I think you, well, you'd have to have Kermit be one of the two leads because it's a Muppet adaptation, and like he's going yeah. to be one of the two leads. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to picture. I think, I think you'd do Fozzie as Hannah and Kermit <laughs> as as Waka Waka. She got a great ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I think they could go big there. Um, Waka
1: Waka, you're wasted my motherfucking time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you know i i think there's a lot that uh, of room we could go with in here uh for those two uh for the muppets um here so i i'm personally for this one uh it would be a new it would be a new departure for the muppet franchise but i think
1: this is the happy time murders if it was good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, well we haven't seen the happy time Murders, so from
1: its I, reputation
0: <laughs> but yeah all right, Tommy, review time. Give me a score out of five.
1: Um, this was a great full first-time watch. Um, I'm glad I, I was finally able to sit down and just process this whole movie. Um, you know, Al Pacino's given a performance I think is really fun. You know, I was saying earlier, it strauss line of over topness, but I don't think he crosses the line. He's close, but doesn't. Um, and just all the different storylines are very overarching and It's a great movie, really fun. I'm going to go 4.5 out of 5. Um, And what a great first watch. I'm just really glad to finally see this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to echo your sentiments. Uh, um, 4.5 out of 5 for me. I feel like I want a longer cut of this, maybe 10 or 15 more minutes, just to kind of expand on some of the parts that we... That we kind of mentioned felt a little less fleshed out and could have used more more life to it even though they all served a purpose in the film it, it felt like there's just one or two scenes that were missing in this movie that from it being fully complete and i get it it's a two hour 50 minute movie cuts have to be made at, at some point there but this is a true american crime epic here the tension it's it's a true tension tension cooker where you're it rises and falls, this great synth sound uh, with incredible sound design, you know, great action peaks um, and great characters, just great performances all around. I think it's, I haven't seen Michael Mann's full catalog, but it's easily my favorite of all the Michael Mann films that I've seen. Um, mm. And I'm really glad we got to cover it here on the podcast because you fell asleep, Drain.
1: Yeah. Two times. So, all, right,
0: um, all right. So Tommy, any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Well, thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow us on social media at Pod, And uh we have a YouTube account now too, but uh on social media, it's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and threads. Um it's at scenepod and our YouTube is you at for-
0: You almost forgot
1: to almost f- the,
0: you almost forgot. It's at that point of so irrelevant that you're you're like almost forgetting to, to say it.
1: Well, I'm noticing Instagram's trying to promote it more because they changed the uh, post your story button to the uh, threads button. So I accidentally always click on threads. I'm like, I'm not trying to be here, Mark Zuckerberg. Chill out. (laughs)
0: Because they're losing money on it, Tommy. That's why.
1: Uh, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we we have a YouTube account. We post our uh, shows there too. And leave us a five star review, Apple, Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast, really helps us out. And uh, next week, we're staying in LA, but it's not a cop movie this time. Recovering covering She's All That first 25th anniversary. Timmy, you never seen that. Are you excited? Any temperature there? Are you excited to see Freddy Prince Jr., Rachel Lee uh, Cook, Matthew Lillard?
0: Yeah, very. Uh, well, thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, compared to Heat, I'm very excited for She's All That. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.